Hello and welcome to the Grappling with Fatherhood podcast, a place where we talk about parenting, jujitsu, and where the lessons they teach us sometimes overlap. My name is Blake Cosmeyer. I am a brown belt and the father of two small kids. And my co-host, as always, is Uday Malhotra. Hey guys, Uday Malhotra here, a black belt in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and father of two little beautiful girls. Awesome, Uday. Uh, it's been a few weeks since we've talked. Uh, how, how have you been? Good, man. I've been doing really well, but I got to start with happy 40th birthday to you, my man. How's it feel, dude? Yeah, dude. Uh, if uh, 40 is interesting, I was not freaked out about it because I feel like I've been telling people I'm 40 for like a year because yeah. I was just like rounding up from 39. I'm like, yeah, basically 40. And uh, on the eve of my 40th birthday, I had this realization that this was the last day I would be in my 30s. Like these were the last moments of my 30s. And I did have a little bit of like, poo-poo in my pants like <laughs> oh wow <laughs> this is intense uh and since then i am not a person who is really i don't look at age as a big deal uh i'm obviously very active very competitive but there is something weird that happens and i'm and i'm i've, I've did a, I did a lot of work like leading up to this to be like yeah. how do you feel about this blake like really healthy inner talk and it's still kind of floored me so um i think people just need to give themselves the space to feel that poo poo in your pants yeah. <laughs> for a little bit and then move on it's shit like becca being like you know i knew you were 40 but then like i saw birthday cards that said like happy birthday blake on your 40th birthday and, and it really blew my mind and i was like thanks babe <laughs> <laughs> like you know, yeah, it, okay, it's weird. Me too. I it's, don't know. I feel like turning 40 now is a lot different than turning 40 like 20, 25 years ago, right? Like I think people back then like aged a little quicker. Like you look at people like, yeah. you know, like you watch old episodes of Seinfeld and like Costanza is like 29 the entire time, like in the like earlier seasons or in the mid seasons. And I'm like, yeah, he looks like 45 the entire time, you know, like so – yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, like I'm pretty confident 40-year-old me could freaking murk, you know, 28-year-old <laughs> George yes. Costanza. 100%. 100%, dude. <laughs> Anyways, dude, you were uh you had a you had a big trip, yeah, man. man. Tell me about so your trip. I um I went out to Vegas this past weekend and um I was there f for about four nights and um you know, anytime you go to Vegas is exhausting. I was there for a fr another friend's 40th birthday, actually. And and while I was out there, I, I taught a seminar at um, the Academy of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. If you're ever in Vegas, guys, check it out. Great instructor, great team, amazing vibes, really good training. Um, and, um, yeah, went out there, taught a seminar, and then, you know, went out for my friend's 40th. And, by the way, I should call out. I tried the snack that you recommended last time, the fluid tactical elect electrolyte mix during my time there. And can I tell you, it like saved me. <laughs> it like saved my life, dude. Like, uh, <laughs> you know, it just, just being a teaching a seminar in the heat, you know, enjoying some libations in the sunshine at, at the, uh, at, at the pool parties, whatever. Right. Like that thing brought me back to life. So um, I really appreciate you you um, bringing that to my attention last week. 
Yeah, I mean, like, full disclosure, you know, Fluid might be a future sponsor of the pod. And uh, I think it's Uday wanted to try some yeah. before we, like, brought them on. And so I, I brought brought you a handful yes. of them. You know, not to speak, I mean, I've known Richard, the founder of this company, forever. And, like, this sounds like a really, like, uh, well-placed ad, it's but not. it's not. This is, like, actual conversation <laughs> yes. we're having. So um, Fluid Tactical is actually used by, like, first responders, um, like, you know, guy like smoke jumpers, like uh, Cal Fire. Um, it's at, it's it's people whose lives depend on them being hydrated. Yeah. Re- rely on this product, and so it's it fucking works, yeah. man. Um, as far as yeah, this stuff goes. So, anyways, I'm glad it worked for it. you too. And it's also you know, as as we discussed earlier, like it's, it's I wouldn't say it's like a you know a panacea like hangover cure, but it definitely. Gets you some some headway after yeah. you've been out having a few drinks in the sun. Yeah, no, it was great, and I think I mentioned last time too. It tastes really, really good. So um, that's great. I didn't yeah. know that they were a potential sponsor, and um, yeah, it's awesome. Um, so this week, Uday, you had something that you wanted to talk about, yes. maybe a theme for our week uh, to frame this up, which was growth and promotions. Yeah. Um, why did, uh, why is this a topic that you wanted to cover this week? You know, I think right now we're, we're kind of in the midst of belt promotion season, right? Like usually there's one or two every year and one happens in the summer and, or one happens at the end of the year. And not only that, you know, just being away from the girls this past week, it's it like really struck me how much a, how much a, I really, really miss them. Um, and B, if, like I feel like they grow so much when you're gone for a few days. Like it's just it's just interesting to see the, the growth that happens in them when you're gone, right? And so like Shia, my three year old, yeah. she's about to turn four in a couple in like this later next week. She actually physically got taller while I was gone, and I I would never have noticed it if I not stepped back and looked, right? Like because you see her every day, I see her every day, and she looks the same. When I was away for a couple of days, I'm like, dude, what happened? Like, are you wearing lifts? What's going on? Right? Like, and um, so that was really special to see. And and Milena, it just it feels like she's just taking such leaps and bounds in how she's growing and maturing, and the the little the little woman she's becoming. I'm so proud to see it. You know, like um, I have an anecdote to share, but you know, before that, like. I, so I took her to the library yesterday and the way she was like just speaking with me, like, you know, just like rolling her eyes and just like having like adult like conversations and just like the sassiness. Like it was just like, has this always been there? Like, have I, have I just like, have I been blind to this because I'm just used to it now? Like it was just interesting to see, you know? Um, but yeah. I, I'll share this like quick story with you that like happened before I left that I was just floored when I heard. Um, so Milena has been at, uh, summer camp and yesterday was her last day or the two days ago was her last day. And she had, you know, every night before we go to sleep, we kind of just do like a quick recap of the day. How's your day? What went well? What didn't go well? Right. Like, and there's something that she wanted to tell me, but she didn't want to tell me. And I was like, come on, just, it's okay. You know, you, you can tell me anything, no judgment. It's all good. And she's like, well, there's a girl in my summer camp and this other girl was bullying her and I didn't really like it. I was like, well, why are you afraid to tell me that? And she, she didn't know why she was uncomfortable sharing this information with me. Um, but she was like, yeah, she was bullying her and she was making fun of her and she's saying really rude things to her. 
And I was like, okay, well, and, and what did you do? And she's like, I put my arm around her and I walked her away and I told the bully, like, that's not nice and it's really rude. And she went off on her and I was like, whoa. Like, I was super proud to hear that because, you know, you may remember in the first episode of this, Blake, I was sharing with you that, like, I was afraid that she was going to be, like, the mean girl, right? Like, she was, like, stepping on that kid's bag and, like, I was like, what are you doing? Like, how, is this how you want to be? And and so, I was like, this is, like, night and day turn and I was really happy to hear it. And then one step further that, like, really, truly blew my mind was this bully had put her hands on Milena. And I have always told Milena that if anyone touches you and you don't want them to, you say at the top of your lungs, get your hands off of me. And she did that. So this girl put her hands on her shoulders. And Milena not only said that really loud to her, she's chopped her arms down and like cocked her legs ready for a double leg. Now, she didn't shoot a double leg, but she was ready to. She like chopped her down, arms off of her, was ready to shoot a double leg on this girl and said, get your hands off me. How much more proud can I be as a father? You know what I mean? Like this is everything I've taught her. She didn't get violent. She didn't like – she she cleared her hands off of her and she told her very clearly and directly, I don't like it. She stood up for someone else. And as she walked away with this girl, she's like, she told her again. She's like, hey, don't – this is rude. Don't talk to her that way. And she made – like can you imagine how this other girl felt knowing that like – Hey, this is like this person was there for me, and and I'm not what this other person is saying, you know. So, anyway, I just went on yeah. for a minute there. That is, it was really sweet to see, and, and I'm super proud. Yeah, man, that's beautiful when you see those lessons, particularly I think around your child protecting themselves yeah. or taking care of themselves. That was one. I, I mean, I Owen is so young now that you don't see those, you know, we don't see those things really yet because he isn't independent as much. He's getting there. But I remember when I was a kid, my mom was like, the thing that I'm most concerned with is just you being able to take care of yourself. Like job, whatever you achieve, that's great. But can you take care of yourself? Can you like wash your dishes and do your laundry and, and protect yourself and and be safe? Uh, And that was, that was the big achievement for her with me uh you know the kind of the base level and the fact that you you feel like you've imparted that on on melena is really beautiful dude yeah it was like i said in that first episode i was like honestly i was i was a little stunned that that's what she had done to this child and i was a little worried you know like am i am i doing something wrong in my parenting approach am i how am I raising this person that this is like something that she would do? And although she felt bad about it afterwards when I explained, like it's still like I I was, it was jarring. Right. And so to see this on the flip side made me feel like, okay, something I'm doing is working because she has empathy and she's, you know, doing the right thing ultimately. Right. And so um, I was really proud. Yeah. I feel like, I feel like I need to borrow some of your, parenting confidence uh because of what i've been dealing with so owen is going through this really clingy phase right now we're about to start preschool and we've been going to our preschool is super cool they have these warm-up events Mm -hmm. a couple times a week so go to the park play with other kids um do some activities things like that and owen hasn't been having a great time there Mm. he hasn't been having a great time anywhere outside of the house he hasn't been having a great time pretty much anywhere that mm. isn't immediately beside me. And I feel like he is 
not only with his his little brother being here, but the the knowledge of him going to preschool, which he's really excited about. Like they have to wear these shirts there, and he's so excited to put on his shirt. Like he even wears it around the house. Um, so he's excited about the idea, but I think he's having some anxiety about separation yeah. as well. And um, it's challenging for me because I am flattered by it. I love how clingy he is yeah. to me right now in some ways. But I also know that I feels like it's at the cost of some developmental stuff. And again, this is probably grinding in the minutia. And I'm thinking like minute to minute, hour to hour, instead of like week over week over week, which is probably why it's good that we check in every few weeks and talk about yeah. this stuff instead of every day. Totally. Because <laughs> uh, then you can, I can have some perspective. But yeah, like I said, so the thing is that he's not, you know, it's not a lot of uh, self-play or self-guided play. He really is either needing to interact with me or needing to interact with with Becca. Um, and it's it's flattering and it's fun, but it also is in some ways feels like it's I'm holding him back from being able to entertain himself and play and have that independence. Kind of the some of the stuff that you know you're you're impressed with with Milena right now. Uh, again, it's just a phase, but it's, yeah. it feels very intense in the moment that we're in. Can I, can I share some, some thoughts with you on that? Yeah, please, man. I'll tell you, first of all, look, Milena's seven, right? Like, and, and Owen is three, right? So don't, I wouldn't compare him to anyone, right? Like he's, he's kind of figuring this out. Yeah. You know? That said, one of the pieces of feedback I heard a lot when Shia was about to be born is that um, your firstborn child is going to cling to you as the father a lot during those early stages. You know, Shia was nursing with Van. She was getting all her, you know, she was being nurtured by Van. Like she needed Van, right? Like physically needed her. Um, and so Milena, because there was less attention from mama came to Papa. Right. And so, um, she, she also gravitated to me as the older child when the younger sibling was born. And so I think it's natural. A, a lot of people told me to expect that and that's exactly how it played out. Right. And eventually things start to balance out a little bit more when like you and Milo, Milo have a little more time together and it'll, it'll start to bounce each other. It'll start to bounce out a little bit more, but I totally understand that feeling you're going through of like, dude, Play on your own, right? Also, here's the other thing. Because Owen and Shia are the same age. They're both three. And they were both born right before the pandemic, right? And so that's when everything shut down. And so what I've noticed with Shia, Shia is very similar, right? Like where she likes, she shuts down a little bit in front of other people or it takes her a long time to warm up to other yeah. people. And so I think it's it's part of that, like those early st early years of their life, they were isolated from other kids and um, yeah. this is them kind of catching up and that's okay. You know, it'll happen. And so, um, yeah, that's just kind of my, my thought. Hopefully that gives you a little bit of hope, man. I, I like, I, I wouldn't worry too much, but um, it's, it's, I think it's totally valid what you're thinking and feeling. Yeah. So I've got some, uh, some crying kids behind this me right now. Fatherhood, um, baby. As you can, this is us as grappling you can with fatherhood. Yeah, dude, we're, we're in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, man, I appreciate that. And actually you mentioned that to me right before yeah. we had Milo, you said, Hey, you know, get ready. Um, it's going to be harder for you to connect yeah. to baby number two. 
your hands are going to be very full of baby number one, yeah. ride it out um, because it'll eventually even out. And so, um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to when it does and I'm trying to appreciate where it is now and not get too into, uh, the, like I said, the minutia of like, Oh, are we, you know, am I holding him back or whatever? Yeah. Um, thanks dude. Yeah. Uh, You want to, uh, you want to talk about jujitsu a little bit? Let's do it. You know, kind of in that same vein, (laughs) you know, of growth and, and whatnot. Um, I, I'd love to talk about that promotion piece, right? You know, I think this may be a little bit controversial. Um, people may have differing opinions of me, and that's that's totally okay. You know, that's what this podcast is for. Uh, but like I said, it's it's around that season right now, and I feel like promotions these days have have become a little rushed, right? And and um, and I think people should be okay and should be comfortable with promotions taking a little bit of time. Right. There, there's ultimately yeah. no rush to get to your next belt. You know, like to be totally honest with you, some of my favorite memories in jujitsu were part of the journey from blue to purple, from purple to brown. Like that journey is the most memorable part of my jujitsu, you know. And so, um, yeah, I I'm glad that my professor and my professors at the time didn't rush me through it. They made me really, really earn it. And. Um, you know, like there's a lot of, there's a pressure in being a black belt. You know, there's, there's a lot of pressure. Like you can't just walk into school and be like, Hey, blue belt, let's roll. And then get your butt kicked. Right. Like you can, like we've talked about that before you can, but like, you know, you don't, you don't want to say want to do you right? just, yeah, just yeah. Out of curiosity. Have you, do you remember like having a black belt who was maybe older and not as sharp as you were, like maybe when you were a blue or purple belt, like come to your academy. Of course. And you were like, all right, buddy, let's go. Yeah. And like you you kind of gave him a hard time and you were like, well, hold on. Did you, do you remember doing that? Yeah, of course. And then, you know, that's, at that time, you would, in my head, because I was a little more immature, I would be like, I'd be a little bit judgy. But now in re- as yeah. I reflect and in retrospect, dude, that that, that dude had nothing to prove. You know, like he was just having fun with the blue belt. He may have been letting me work. He may have been tired. He may, he may just be a, a fact that he's older and I was a really athletic blue belt who had a really strong wrestling background, right? Like maybe not a look he's yeah. seen before. And that's all part of our growth, right? Like, so there's that pressure of being yeah. a black belt and bloom, bloom purple. Like, dude, those are the most fun belts. And so, you know, I think when you rush someone to promote them, it's it it feels good, right? It feels good to give someone a promotion, whether it's at work, whether it's in, in jujitsu. It feels it's like I'm doing something cool for this person and I get I get to be part of their story and I get to do this moment have this moment with them. And it feels good. And you're also taking away that moment from them if you rush it. You know, like when you get your belt, at least for me, it should feel heavy. It should feel like this took me so much time and energy. It took me everything to get here. And this means the world to me. You know, like when you get your black belt, it should feel like a heavy moment, right? It should feel like, yeah. holy shit. I just basically did the equivalent yeah. of earning a PhD in this martial art. It took me X amount of years and I finally did it, right? Like you, you can't go from newbie to expert in 
anything in like five or six years, unless you're like a prodigy, super, super special, right? Like there's a certain number of guys yeah. who can do guys and gals who can do that, but not everybody, right? Like this should be a process and it takes a long time yeah. to go from absolutely knowing nothing to knowing a little, to knowing a little bit more, to knowing, to being a so-called black belt in that field, right? To being an expert, so-called expert in that field. And so yeah. take your time. If we're going with controversial takes, yeah. like <clears throat> I think historical context is really important. So jujitsu, Brazilian jujitsu is a relatively <clears throat> new sport, new martial art, yeah. right? Brazilian jujitsu has existed for less than a hundred years. Um, and initially there were no black belts. Mm -hmm. You were a white belt or you were an instructor. And eventually the, the families who, you know, the Gracies who were in, in sort of in control of, of jujitsu and teaching jujitsu in, in Brazil said, okay, we, we can't be the only instructors here. We have to open this up. So then they started giving other people belts in order to teach classes, still not black belts. It wasn't until the sport really became commercialized that this idea of having this tiered system, right? Yeah. Stripes didn't exist. Yeah. And eventually they're like, okay, cool. We need to make a business model. Nobody's going to come to this thing and make zero progress for 10 years. So how can we help make people keep coming back? And, you know, they borrowed the belt system from judo um, and from uh, other martial arts in order to help people along on their journey. And so, you know, belts in a, in a large way are a, a way of your instructor acknowledging your level for sure, but also encouraging you to, and, and, and saying, Hey, like you keep coming, like yeah. you're doing something, you're, you're making progress. Totally. Uh, and so, yeah, to your point, like it should feel, it should feel like you've, you've really earned it. Yeah. Um, but I just think that historical context Super is really important. important because initially people didn't train for a black belt. People just trained to train. Yeah. And they didn't have the, the expectation in their head that they're ever going to get a black belt. They, everybody wore a white belt and uh, except for the, the people that taught the class. And so you're just like, cool, this is a martial art that I'm learning. It's part of my life. It's part of who I am. Um, so I think that's an important perspective just to detach yourself away from this this hierarchical system that maybe impacts the way you view your progress when training jujitsu is a lifestyle, in my opinion, no, I think, you know, belts do matter. They do it. Yeah. But go ahead. No, I was going to say that that's, that's really great historical context as to how we should be considering belts, right? Like it's, it's, it's nothing is automatic. Right. And so yeah. you ready for another controversial take? Yeah, let's go. I don't think there's any such thing as a nogi purple belt, nogi blue belt, nogi brown belt only. I don't think there's a, such a thing as a blue belt in the gi only. Gordon Ryan might have something to say about that, right? But like, um, I think to be a, a blue belt, you need to be a blue belt in both gi and nogi. Like, you should be equally proficient at that belt level in both both forms to be a black belt you should be a black belt skill skill wise in gi and in no gi will one be lacking a little bit more maybe sure that's okay but you should feel like a black belt in either of those scenarios right or you should feel like a purple belt in either of those scenarios together and so 
I know that's controversial. It's just how I feel, though. Like, I feel like both are part of jujitsu, both are part of the martial art, and both are important to know, right? And so, um, yeah, that's just kind of how I feel about it, man. Yeah, it's it's interesting because I trained less at Nogi the higher up I got, yeah. and that's because for a lot of reasons. Um, I I as a I think when you're a white belt, when you're a blue belt, you start training no gi and you realize because it's harder to finish and it's way easier to escape. Yeah. And so everything becomes a lot more fun (laughs) because you're getting finished less and you're escaping more and it, it levels a playing field a a little bit and skill really either skill or athleticism really shines through. And I was really fucking athletic at, you know, white and blue. And when I got to purple, I still, still pretty athletic, but it was just like, man, it's a fucking grind. Yeah. I get no respect for these kids, <laughs> you know? And I, every time I'd roll, it's like, I got to go to war. Yeah. And, and for me in my head, I was like, God damn it. Like I can't, I have, I have no tools to stall this out and to slow this down. I don't want to come here anymore. Yeah. And so I, I, in my head, I know that I backed off from Nogi because it was just not as fun as it used to be yeah. because I used to have an advantage against higher belts. And once I became a higher belt, I was just a higher belt who had, you know yeah, what I mean? I was just was where I was that. kind of yeah. supposed to be. So now training Nogi is super fun um, because I feel like it all is, everything's kind of evening out. Like I feel like my athleticism and my yeah. skill and my uh, knowledge, all of it's kind of where it should be and it's all catching up to itself at like certain levels right so and also i'm super lucky and i only train no gi with other really high level (laughs) dudes uh and so i'm like hey if i'm getting rocked here or if i'm rocking somebody here i feel okay about that like this is this is okay yeah man i will say your your gi game feels just as good as your no gi game i mean i've rolled with you in both and um it feels equal it feels equal you know what i mean i don't i don't think I wouldn't be able to – I wouldn't say you're a brown belt in gi and a purple belt in no gi. I would say you feel like right now a really good brown belt in both, right? Like, So, um, so yeah, man. I, That's a huge honor, yeah, man. Thank you course, so much. Dude. I'll tell you this story, man. Like, you know, when I was – I was training at Cobrinha's and I was already a black belt when I went there. And um, we would do no gi and I would get caught in like heel hooks by purple belts. And I'm like, well, dang. I don't. I need to add this to my game, and I felt like I was a black belt in gi and no gi, and I still had more to learn, right? And so th- that's all to say that, like, just because I think you need to have, you should feel at the same level as both, doesn't mean you're you're gonna be a master at both, right? Like, you, there's still gonna be things you gotta learn, right? There's still things I'm learning. Yeah. I've been a black belt for eight years now, eight plus years, and there are still things I'm learning, still things I'm refining, and so in both gi and no gi, right? And, and separate things, right? So I think, you know, there's always growth. There's always things to be refining and you should feel fairly equal in, in both practices. I'll tell you this anecdote as well, yeah. kind of in that same vein, like, um, you know, we got an email from, from a listener the other day, Brian, who mentioned to us that like, you know, hey man, I'm a blue belt. My professor told me I'm about to get my, my purple belt soon. And I don't know that I'm ready. I'm, I'm just like blown away that he thinks this of me. And honestly, that's probably the right headspace. 
You know, like that tells me that this guy's not concerned about the belt. He's not concerned. He's concerned about just training and progress. And he doesn't necessarily need to see it. But if your professor sees it, right? Because kind of going back to the kids, right? Like you, it's hard to step outside and look. And so when you see yourself training, when you feel yourself training every day, it's hard for you to step outside and look. But that's what your professor is there for, to see see what does your growth look like? What does your progress look like, right? Um, you know, I... My wife, Van, she's a she's a brown belt. And I gave her her brown belt back in 2022. And um, and I surprised her with it. And she had been a purple belt for like 10 years plus, like 11 years. And um, part of it is, I mean, she, just life got in the way, right? Like she, we had kids and like she wasn't training as much. And things fell off her radar. Like things she had been proficient in, like just kind of fell off. And, and it's... It, it took her that long to kind of re reattain some of the skills and resharpen those skill sets. Right. And when I promote, she, she was floored cause she had no idea. She wasn't expecting to get promoted, but I saw the progress and the people around her saw the progress. And so, um, you know, it, if it takes two years, it takes two years. If it takes 10 years, it takes 10 years, but it, it, it's about the progress that you're making. Yeah. And again, like it's, it's easy for me to say this now, but uh, because I'm, I have a, a belt that people maybe respect more than other belts. But w- when you get this close to black, you really start to think like, man, I one, you're like, OK, could you take a couple of these fucking stripes away? Um, <laughs> and and <laughs> you're getting way, way too close. And two, like you're like. This is a part of my lifestyle, and yeah. I keep saying this, but. It's like, it's like skateboarding, you know, like skateboarding is a way of seeing the world. Skateboarding is a way that I relate to culture and jujitsu is now part of my lifestyle in a way that's like, it's more than just what I do on the mats. It's more than just what I do in this. It's a, it's a way of thinking. It's a a way of being in the world. I, I, I truly believe that people need to like, think about what it is to be a martial artist. Um, and that sounds, maybe sounds kind of hokey, but you know, being a martial artist is a way of being in the world uh, that is different. And um, I just, I think it's having that perspective makes you think less about, ah, man, I didn't get that stripe today. You know, it's like, it doesn't matter if you got that stripe or not. You're a jujitsu player. You're going to be a jujitsu player for the rest of your life or as long as you can, you know, even, even, even when you can't train, it's still part of who you are. Totally. Um, You want to hear a funny story? Yeah, man. I, I, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. I keep cutting you off, man. I'm sorry. No, I, I, no, you're good. I was going to ask yeah. you something. I was going to ask you about one of the things that you wanted to talk yeah. about. So uh, you were going to mention belt tests. Yes. And I'm really curious about what your take is on that because I I, I actually don't really have a strong opinion on it. Yeah. So I'm curious what you think. That's a great question. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought that up because I do want to talk about that. And I think, look, I think at some schools it works. I think at some schools it doesn't work. You know, um, so, so first, yeah. Uday, like, what is like, what does a belt test look like? Yeah. Like, have you ever seen one? I, I, have. I have never been, other than like Roy Dean's videos, yeah. like, I've never seen what a belt test looks like. I, I've only been tested once for my blue belt, and um, that was under Sean Williams and Sean Flannery. And um, it was like, hey, here are the moves I want you to know, and I'm gonna have you demonstrate them in front of a panel of, of your instructors. And if we think you've succeeded in de- accurately demonstrating these moves, we'll promote you to your next belt. And that was – they had never done it again after that. But here's, here's kind of my thought. is like 
I understand the perspective that like, hey, we're all adults and we, we're done with school. We don't necessarily need tests in our life anymore, right? Like, but kind of everything is a test, right? Like when you show up to a job interview, that's a test. When you show up to competition, that's a test. When you show up, to, right? Everything can be a test. And so what is a test? It's someone judging your um, proficiency in, in what you're doing or what you're talking about, right? And so, um, so I mean, this is a test. Someone's going to be listening to me and be like, ah, Uday is very articulate or <laughs> Uday's an idiot and doesn't know what he's talking about, right? Like, so, um, so I think you're being tested one way or another to get your belt. And I think some schools, it's, it's kind of arbitrary. Like, um, you know, you've been, you've been training for X amount of years. I'll hand you your belt. And I think those are the schools that should be considering testing a little bit because when I see a blue belt and that blue belt doesn't know how to do something like get out of a mount escape, right? Like, and, and like, I'm not talking about a blue belt getting out of my mount, right? As a black belt um, or, or like someone who I'm bigger and stronger than and them getting out of my, my mount, right? Like, no, I want to see, can you get out of someone who's at equal skill level, who's at equal size as you, can you get out of their mount? And when I see someone at a blue belt level flailing or, or not succeeding there or like not succeeding at escaping a back attack um, from someone of equal equal size, right? Like, look, those are two very dominant positions and it should be a bit of a challenge to get out of that, but you should have the, the general idea of how to escape those positions, right? Like, how do you protect yourself? I want, That's what I'm looking for. And I always say, I don't need to see you escape the way same way I escape. There's a million different ways to do it. But I want to see that you know a way of escaping. How do you keep yourself safe? Yeah. I want to see if, if someone equal size um, comes in off the street as a white belt who's never trained before and they, they mount you, can you get out? Can, can, you, can you defend yourself against this person? Can you accurately show me a takedown? Can you accurately show me a submission, right, to get to blue belt, right? To get to black yeah. belt, can you articulate – Top to bottom, several moves that you know. Can you articulate several? Because as a black belt, you're going to be leaned on to teach people sometimes, right? Like you're going to be, whether you like it or not, whether that's something you enjoy doing or not, somebody's going to ask you something, right? Somebody's going to ask you a move. Can you articulate it? Can you share it? Do you understand what you're doing, right? Like do you have in your back pocket several several things that you don't have to know the fancy stuff, the upside down, flying chimichanga backwards, whatever, right? Like, but can you can you articulate <laughs> yeah. like a really like fundamental movement that you know like the back of your hand, right? So I think at each stage there's a different thing that I'm looking for when I when I am ready to promote someone, and I think it's important that you know those things. Yeah. And look, at every every school is going to be different, and every school doesn't necessarily need belt testing, but I think at some schools it's important to like. Hey, can can you do this? Can you do this well? Can you can you efficiently do it, right? And again, totally controversial. Yeah. I may change my mind on this in two months, right? Like, I I don't know. This is something I've been kind of thinking about lately. Well, yeah, I mean, so here's the deal. Like, to the, your point about um, to Brian, right? So, mm-hmm. Brian, you, you probably train the the guy who doesn't feel like he's ready for his purple belt. You probably train four or five times a week, right? Your professor. He's around training or training four times a day. Yeah, uh, They can see things that you can't and they understand where the academy is at, where other people who have been training for as long as you have at, they 
it doesn't feel like it, but they have a depth of knowledge of you that you probably don't have yeah. of yourself simply because of their exposure to the sport, right? Think about like, you know, if you work in a restaurant versus somebody coming and eating at the restaurant, might, they might come in three days a week. They might think they have a pretty good idea of what freaking Kung Pao chicken tastes like. But like, you know what Kung Pao chicken tastes like and you know all of the, the intricacies of, of what goes into that dish probably so much better than even somebody who has it regularly, even somebody who's been eating it regularly for, you know, five years would have. So trust your professor a little bit. Uh, and that's why, again, why it's so important to go to a great academy and to trust your school um, and, you know, to have that faith in them. Bell testing is interesting because I totally agree with you that students should have a certain level of competency around certain moves and ideas. I don't think that that should be, it should be, that should be like the, the base level. It's like that and, right? Yeah. Like that alone shouldn't get them a belt level, but that should be a basic understanding. Yeah. I mean, Solo wrote a whole book that goes belt by belt about what people think uh, you know, where he thinks you should be and what you should understand. And that book is like, you know, when I was getting into jujitsu, I'm talking about jujitsu university. If you don't, if you're not familiar, I'm talking about mm -hmm. Saul Hubero. If you're not familiar, that book was like the standard when I was getting into jujitsu about this is what you need to know as a white belt, like literally down to the moves. And uh, this is what your mindset needs to be. I think it's much more important to understand concepts, obviously. So, but concepts are a really hard thing to learn alongside of technique. And that's what I see often. So now as a, as a brown belt, I'll watch a Like I was watching Alberto demonstrate a move this week. Yeah. And God, what, what was it? This is great that I don't know, know what the move is. Oh, it was a wrestling move. Nice. And uh, he was teaching, he was teaching a darts. That's he was teaching a darts. Good, good, good uh, conversation for you and I to have. Yeah. And I know, I know why a Darce works yep. from a um, conceptual, fundamental standpoint. I know how to escape a Darce. I know what side you need to go on to get into that, to a Darce and get out of a Darce. I know all of these concepts. And then there are details that are super interesting that will make that Darce successful or unsuccessful independent of, or I guess in conjunction with the concept and that's what you start that's what you should be learning as you get deeper and deeper in the game like i was learning things about a position that i am very familiar with but those details those like little intricate pieces are what take you from like a blue belt to yeah. a purple belt to a brown belt to a black belt right that's that's what i think anyways i love that and by the way that was a black belt level analogy my man the restaurant Excellent work. Excellent work. <laughs> Chef's Thanks. kiss, my friend. I served, I, I've served a lot of Kung Pao chicken in my head. Um, yes. Yeah, dude. Uh, there's one other thing I wanted to hear you talk about. Let me. I just want to hear your story about Miami Brown yeah, That's the funny story I was going to tell you. I saw that written down yeah. and I, I wanted to <laughs> – you, you had asked me <laughs> about, um, about has a black belt ever come into the gym when you were a lower belt, right? And so – when I yeah. was a brown belt, you know, my Van and I went to um, we went to Miami on a baby moon, right? It was right before Milena was born, and I brought my gi and I went in to train at Cyborg School at Street Sports in Miami, and the, this is like a, a tough school. These are like competitors there, really tough dudes, and um, I was, you know, I, I was training again. I was a brown belt, and um, some a blue belt 
uh, approached me and said, hey, you want to train? I was like, yeah, let's go. And so we're training. And when I say he demolished me, he worked <laughs> me over like I was a rag doll, a rag doll. And very seldom, look, people have beat me before, right? Like very seldom do I get rag doll like that, let alone by a blue belt at that point. And so I remember like the feeling that was going through my head and through my heart. And I was like, Uday, you fucking suck. You need to scrap everything and start from the beginning. You need to analyze exactly what happened. And you need to, you need to sit back and look at who you are and, and figure this thing out. And um, I was like, you're nowhere close to your black belt. You're nowhere close. And so I remember I, all this is going through my head as I was sitting on the edge of the mat, like taking a breather. And because it was an open mat, right? So I was sitting on the edge of the mat looking like hell. And somebody came up to me and goes, hey, I, I saw you rolling with him. He goes, yeah, yeah. He goes, how'd that go? I was like, not great. He goes, yeah. Don't. He's like, don't worry about it. That dude's actually about to get his black belt. He's not a he's not a blue belt. He's a brown belt. He's gonna get his black belt like next week. He um asked and forgot his black, he forgot his brown belt at home, so he just grabbed a random belt. And like the relief that went over my soul, dude. I was like, oh my god, thank God. Like, but look, it also if he was a blue belt, it's like look. I do need to analyze my game, and I, I did need to analyze my game because even though it was a relief knowing that he wasn't a blue belt, it was also like, hey, what are you doing that someone was able to manhandle you that 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 rough, right? Like, like how do I analyze my game? And also recognize that like no matter how good you get, you're going to get humbled. Yeah. You're going to get humbled no matter how good you are, right? Like nobody's perfect in this game, and nobody – yeah. Father time gets us all right. Like, and nobody remains undefeated. And eventually someone's going to catch you and, and humble you. And someone's going to sh- expose some of the parts of your game that need to be sharpened. And that was a great learning experience for me. Dude, I love that story. First of all, that's amazing. And I wish that my story that is similar was that, but it yeah. is not. Uh Training in Brazil as a like a two stripe yeah. blue belt, feeling pretty pretty good. You know, I'm doing I'm doing well. I'm on the podium tournaments. I think I won a couple tournaments at, at blue belt, and um, yeah, dude, in, in Brazil, mm-hmm. I'm training at uh, Gracie Tijuca uh, with my old old, old instructor Homolo Mello, and um, like literally the 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 ratio of belts is reversed there. Yeah. The gym's been around so long, so. It's awesome. primarily black belts and like a handful of white belts oh, and blue belts. And the blue belts are 16-year-old yeah. are sixteen-year-old blue belts, right? Like they're oh, promoted to the highest level they can be promoted to because they've been training since they were like seven or eight. And uh, there's two kids, uh, this kid Junayo and Brandon. And every day I was just getting just yeah. balled up. And it was so funny because like yeah. every time – you like the black belts, no question. You're going to get murked, right? Yeah. But then there's this part of you that feels like, oh, I might stand a chance with these these other guys. Um, and so we'd be riding the oh, subway man. back to our our flat where we're staying. <laughs> like, all of these grown-ass men would be sitting <laughs> huddled up being like, so so what did that 16-year-old do to you today? <laughs> oh, man. Oh, he did, oh, man, he did that to me too. Oh, God. <laughs> like, yeah. This kid who was like, you know, it's just humbling, grown-ass men who literally flew across the world <sighs> to go train at this gym. And he's just – it's just another Wednesday for him. But, uh, yeah, Dude. that was like a moment of 
Oh man, the pool is very um, deep. <laughs> I, I, very I have deep. a similar, uh, uh, not uh, to continue on piling yeah. on here, but so when I was training Cobrinhas, a very, very young Mika Galvao and a very, very young Diego Hayes were training there as well. And these guys, oh, yeah. I mean, these guys competed and one of them won Jeez. ADCC. I mean, these guys are becoming quickly becoming legends and they're like, I don't like, they're still super young, right? Like, and um, I think they were like 11 and 12 at the time. And they were like green belts. I don't even think they were blue belts yet. And I was a black belt. And I, I was like, don't you dare let these guys get anything on you. Humiliating. And it took every ounce of me to not like, not let them. And they didn't tap me. But they like they made me work hard, and their dad, like um, uh, Mika Galvao's dad, was sitting there. He was coaching. He was training there too, and he looked after the match. He goes, he goes, don't feel bad, man. They do that to everybody. They train and they train. They're gonna be good, and here they are, man. Here they are, dude. So, look, <laughs> it happens, man. You know, like I said, father time catches everybody, and, and yeah. you're gonna get humbled if you haven't gotten humbled. You will. It's coming. So. All right, dude. We, we've talked yeah. about jujitsu for like yes. a half hour. Let's let's, let's, let's talk moving, about man. some shit yeah. about our kids, man. Let's what did go. you? Uh, what do you? What snacks are you having this week, buddy? All right. So this week, the girls picked out a snack for me. I'm un, I'm gonna unveil it from the bag. You're gonna see it for the first. You're gonna hear about it from the first time. As am I. Oh, all right. So Trader Joe's dark chocolate almond butter filled pretzel nuggets. Wow, that's a mouthful. Dude. That's a handful. All right, so this is. So hold on. Are these like? Yeah. Are these like? Uh, like, are they filled up? Yeah. So I haven't opened the are bag like yet, but the picture. Pretzel bites. They are. They're like. They're like these pretzel bites covered in chocolate with peanut butter on the inside. It's like this green bag with like orange lettering. If you see it over there, this looks freaking amazing. Like, if you have you ever tried the the pretzels that are filled with peanut butter over there? Oh, dude, they're, they're dangerous. You yeah. buy them at Costco in like those those like two gallon jugs, right? And they yeah. put them in, you put them in an office, and, and dude, done. that's how you gain like the yeah. yeah you're done. So this is the same thing, except it's dark chocolate covered. So I'm gonna try one for dude, the first why, time. Why would they? Why would they make that? It, that's dude, so dangerous. This is why I can't have a six pack. This is why. <laughs> you can eat like 18 bags of this, you'll still have a six pack. Here we go. All right, nice and crunchy still. Okay. My guy. This is amazing. <laughs> Guys. Dude, I, like there's there's you you couldn't fuck that up. Like I, no, it's going to be amazing. No, you can't. You can't fuck this up. <laughs> Whatever you're eating right now, if you're listening to this, as soon as this episode's done, you do yourself a favor and run to Trader Joe's and you buy yourself a bag of dark chocolate almond butter pretzel nugget. You will thank me. You will thank me. All right. Blake, you will thank me, bro. All right. uh, I'm. I'm okay. My snack is also in the the dark chocolate covered thing realm. Mm-hmm. So, uh, a friend of the pod has been listening. Um, stopped by to drop off some snacks for my birthday. They were super sweet. My buddy Noah and his wife Gwen. Um, they gave me kind of everything I had mentioned on the previous episodes of the podcast like trader joe snacks and they brought watermelon gummies covered in dark chocolate this is amazing and it is amazing they're like it's it's a texture that's like 
just a little bit softer than gummy bears. So it's easy. It's like they, they're dangerously easy to put down because oh they're God. so light that you can like, you, you pop one and they're about uh, maybe three quarters of an inch by um, a centimeter or something, just like these little bars and they come in a bag and the, the, something about the size of the bag just is like, oh, I got to eat a lot of these to make a dent in this bag, you know? So I, you could probably do some damage before you realize like what you've done. And um, dude, they just, they just go down so easy. So it's, it's completely sweet, super sweet, like no savory at all. Like if I was, yeah. if I had it my way, I might put a dash of like salt and tahini in there Looks too. Salt so on like, it? Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. But that, that's. I, I recommend them, but also be careful because like you can, you can easily, you can easily eat like 10 of them and not even realize what you did. Oh man. That sounds really yeah. good. I, I yeah. sounds like I need to make a TJ's trip soon. That sounds amazing. <laughs> uh, so dude, Uday, we yeah. had uh, yeah. important to mention our moment in pop culture. We had a hang yeah. that was independent of kids yeah. and jujitsu. Where how we just was hung that? out with with adults. <laughs> dude, how fun good, was that? I, I had so much fun that night. That was a night. fun night, dude. What time won't we did? I rarely I rarely get out. Yeah, yeah. Uh we were watching UFC two ninety one. That's right. And I was right. having my heart completely broken for Tony Ferguson. I got there late. Oh. Spoil well, this is this is out late enough. I got there late and um some of the boys from Gorilla Den were there hanging out. And they had all watched <laughs> the Tony Ferguson fight. I don't know why. Yeah. I'm, I, you know, I, I'm close in age to Tony. He's been in the game for a long time. There were these moments where he was just this crazy underdog that had like, you know, he's a, he's a jujitsu guy. He's like a wild 10th yeah. planet guy. I just, there's a part of me that really roots for him, you know? Yeah. I, yeah. But also I recognizing that. that he's like a goofy motherfucker. And like, he definitely has been, probably hit in the head too many times and shouldn't be in, yeah. the, in the UFC. And so, man, all the guys had watched the fight, the, 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 the Ferguson fight before I got there and I got there, I watched the main card and then everybody just like worked me up to be like, Oh dude, you gotta see the first, <laughs> you gotta see the Ferguson fight. Hold on. Uday, we're going to play it back. Like Tim, like made it points, like pull your side. Hey man, make sure you play that, that Ferguson fight back for Blake. Yeah. Oh man. Tony gets arm triangled in the last like 30 seconds of the last round. In like you know, humiliating your jujitsu doesn't do shit fashion. I can't imagine I love how Tony difficult. and like I, I would I, I would have gotten I wouldn't have lasted 10 seconds of that fight. I hate to be an armchair freaking UFC fighter. That's the most annoying thing in the world. But yeah. man, it was hard to watch. You know, I, I can't imagine how difficult it must be for a professional athlete to recognize like, okay, it's it's time for me to call it a career before it's like too late, you know, before you have multiple losses like that, you know, and like I can't imagine how difficult that must be. And and coming to facing that reality, right? Like that's got to be the hardest thing because like, you know, this is what you love. It's your passion. You were so good for so long. And then, you know, to Every athlete believes in them. You have to believe in yourself, right? Like, to like I can keep doing this. Yeah. I can keep doing this. I can come back, right? Like, that's got to be the hardest thing in the world. And yeah, I, I just, it's almost dude, sometimes dude, better crazy, to go out. Yeah, good. 
Oh, for sure, dude. Go out on top. The crazy yeah. that got you there is the crazy that's going to get you hurt. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you got to be crazy to fight and you got to be crazy to win. And so yeah. at some point that crazy is going to turn against you. Yeah. And yeah, like that's, that's the thing. So again, uh, it was a, a fight for the BMF belt. Uh, stupid. Anyways, uh, <laughs> I, I have my, my opinions about it? the BMF belt, yeah. but, uh, it was Gaethje and, um, and Poye. I have been yeah. rooting for Poye for forever. And, you know, both those yeah. guys, like everybody, everybody's heart's going to be broken. However, that fight goes, because both of the, both of those guys are such, Whoever, yeah. there's so much heart. They're such yeah. sweet guys. But, you know, to your point, like, I think there's nothing more that Dustin needs to achieve in the, yeah. in a game. I, yeah. now it's, it's at this point, every fight is just taking off the quality of life for years later on down, down the road, in my yeah. opinion. And especially having suffered a traumatic brain injury uh, about a year and a half ago, we, we funny, we, we talked about this for the first time, you and I, uh, that yeah. night. I, I can't watch somebody get knocked out and enjoy it the way I did when I was younger. Like I have a hard yeah. time seeing it happen I, because I know I you're like, oh, he got knocked out. He bounced right back up. He's okay. That's cool. Yeah. He just got knocked out. That's fine. And it's like, oh, it's the days thing. and weeks. Yeah, it's very serious. I mean, mm -hmm. your brain is the most valuable, expensive. You know, that's the that's the software right there, man. Like yeah. you, can, you can change out the hardware. But that software is just like when it's it forever. gets old, when it goes bad, everything falls apart. Yeah, dude, I, I agree, yeah. man. I mean, anyways, look, I think yeah. you said it to me that night, like, because I was like, like, how do you call that fight? You know, before it, like, who do you think is going to win? And like, I was going bouncing back and forth. And I think finally, right before the fight, I was like, all right, I got Gaethje. And you're like, Uday, there's still time to change your mind. Like, because I kept going back and forth, <laughs> right? Like, just like two really, really good guys. Two really amazing competitors, two guys that you how can you root against either of them? You know what I mean? So like it was just yeah. it was a fun fight to watch. But yeah, you know, you never like seeing someone get like I'm sure like with your perspective, I oh god, seeing someone get knocked out like that. Um and she, how about Derek and the other Lewis, thing though, too is gonna, like uh, go ahead. Oh no, I no, ahead, the other thing too, too, like to bring this back is like, you know, Dustin's a dad, right? Yeah. And to think about him as a dad and to think about myself as a dad and like yeah, suffering sure. an injury in that, in that kind of injury. And I, he's, you know, he fights, he, he dude, like his story is amazing. Uh, but he, you know, he was like bussing tables, basically yeah. homeless, like fighting smokers in, you know, like in, in the South and he has ascended to the, absolute peak of the sport right because i mean just heart the guy has so much heart i'm uh, not heart heart and talent right he's not just freaking yeah. frankie egger or somebody like that who's sure. just a, a monster i mean frankie worked too but um he's a very talented fighter and to think like okay man you've done it now is your time to enjoy it otherwise like this time with your kids you know is gonna be I, it's just it's just harder harder to watch as a dad yeah that's so sad i'm sorry to like we're combat sport dudes but you know it just definitely changes no, your perspective especially with the perspective that you have of experiencing something like that from a non-fighting yeah. situation right like i, I can't imagine man yeah. like how difficult that is for you to see and, and I, I was just gonna 
I was just gonna laud Derek Lewis for the knockout he had, but like, <laughs> I mean, I just think that I mean, guy, dude, Derek Lewis. Oh my god, that's incredible, like, man! Such a powerhouse, such an yeah. entertaining fighter. So really like, is the dude. You get what you pay for with him every single time. Yeah, and as we're recording this, he just renewed his contract with the UFC. So good for him. Uh, there you go. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, all right, man. Then, let's wrap this up. Yeah. Um, learning so, some takeaways I, from this week, my man. As we kind of talk through all this stuff, right? Promotions and growth. You know, I think to me, you just gotta sometimes sit back and enjoy the process and look at the growth over time. And that's not easy to do, right? Like it's just stepping back outside yourself, stepping back and looking at what your kids are doing, stepping back and looking at your own growth and progress, right? Whether whether you feel like you've had the growth, whether you think you're growing quicker than you actually are, whether you don't think you're growing, right? Like just taking a step back and looking at it, right? And and getting real perspective on, on all of it. And look, there's no point in worrying about what the end game looks like because it, you know, they're really isn't an end game, right? Like in both parenting and jujitsu, like you're, you're always going to, once you're a parent, you're always going to be a parent. You're always going to worry about your kids. I imagine, right? Like, um, I can only imagine as, as my girls get older, I'm just going to continue to think about them and, and, and be there for them. And same thing in jujitsu. Jujitsu is never going to go, like you said, it's part of my lifestyle now. It's never going to go away. And I'm, it's always going to be learnings for me. I'm always going to continue to grow here. So, um, there's no point in, in worrying about an end game because, Really, there is none. Yeah, man. Yeah, dude. So to that to that point, like I was going to say the same thing about trusting yeah. the process. And the reason why is because you can't do anything else. <laughs> you yeah. can't fight the process. You know, yeah. uh, the, the result is ultimately going to be the same. How you, your perspective as you're going through it is the thing that, you know, makes it enjoyable or miserable. And whether it's getting, you know, whether it's getting or not getting that belt promotion, whether it's, um, you know, being able to ride out or fight your kid's clingy phase, like if you just hang out for a little bit longer, things are going to change and you just have to trust that. And if you have the knowledge that it's maybe corny to say that things will, you know, all of this will pass is that it's your attitude and your approach to those moments that make them what they are, not the moments themselves. Totally. So you just got to totally. trust it. Yeah, love man. it. I, you know, I, I'd love to hear. Right, close this from out. Our audience. Yeah, dude. I'd love to hear from our audience. Like, what are your thoughts on belt promotions? Am I crazy? You know, am I being too much of a hard ass? Um, <laughs> does this feel right to you? You know, like, look, I know, some of my thoughts are controversial, right? Like I know there may be a bunch of 10th planet dudes in the, in the comments that are like, what are you talking about? You got to do the gi, you know, like, Hey, I, I get it. I get it guys. Let me know. Do you even let me know, know what why vaporizer I'm right. is? <laughs> let me know why I'm right. Let me know why I'm wrong. Let me know what your thoughts are. And, and I, I'd also love to know, just like, how do you step back and watch and appreciate the growth in your kids? You know, like, um, especially if you've got older kids, I think, you know, Blake and I, both recognize that we're certainly not the end all be all on parenting you know we we certainly don't know it all and i'd love to hear from parents of older kids and, and how you have kind of approached this throughout the years so let us know you know hit us up um feel free to shoot us an email um blake you want to shoot the email address yeah yeah uh grappling with fatherhood pod at gmail.com 
Bye.